kind of bowels under me. So I turn that to you. Who are you? I'm whatever you see me to be. <laughs> that's what I am to you. Really? I'm not substantial or inherently real, so whatever qualities you put or detract from me, that's what you take me to be. I'm only what you can take me to be. So, I started talking this week about that space thing and some uh, the wave in the ocean. I like it. So, let's say here we're at a wave meeting. Everyone here thinks they're an individual wave. And this wave meeting, we're going to talk about the ocean, which is hilarious. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's hilarious. So we're sitting in the security of our dryness because we're a wave, <laughs> conceptual wave, and we're going to talk about the wetness of the ocean. With the host, we'll get a little bit of a sense, a little taste, actually what we call an experience of what it's like to be wet. Yeah. So here we are, wave and wave and wave and wave. And of course, we have our wave worries. You know, you're worried about who's going to beat you to shore. Who's going to? I saw that seashell. I want to get that one pulling back. You know what I mean? I got a lot of kelp with me. How did I get that? Whatever. There's all these little concerns. Did anyone see me from the beach? Am I a big cresting wave or a little dribble? Whatever. All these qualities of waves that get ourselves consumed. Our attention and interest are quite involved in being a wave, a specific wave. Yeah. Maybe we look at little wave magazines. <laughs> We're not looking, you know, that wave bigger than me. <laughs> Whatever, yeah? So here we are talking about the ocean, but as a wave. And as a wave, there has to be a denial of the ocean. Yeah? Because if there was no active denial of the ocean, the wave would obviously know it was the ocean, that it wasn't a wave. So to keep a sense of being a wave and separate, at least conceptually and interpretively, away from the ocean, there has to be a real obsession with the wave and an identification with the idea of being a wave. And that all those ideas of being a wave are produced or brought to you by the mental process. Yeah? The mental process is telling you how it is to be a wave. It's representing life as a wave to you. It's telling you what it was like to be a past wave and definitely what it's going to be like to be a future wave. All the while, there's a forgetfulness of the essence of every wave, which is the ocean. And in a sense, us coming to this meeting as waves (coughs) to discuss the topic of an ocean is in a really deep sense hilarious. Because all you need to do is not... All the doing is an activity of being a wave. Even the wave trying to do itself into knowing the ocean is just reaffirming its waveness, making the ocean more and more distinctly different. No matter how many qualities, great qualities, the wave gives the ocean, it's a sense, in a way, of defining the ocean as I am not that, which is its true security. It will actually adore the ocean as long as it can do that as a wave. Yeah. And maybe it will pick up one person, usually dead, who was a wave like a Jesus or a Buddha, and now we can say, oh yes, he or she was the ocean. But as long as it's not now, 
<laughs> you know, we don't want any live ocean at the moment because then we'd be a dead wave. Not dead, but a dead wave. Yeah. So the mind identified as a wave has to be in denial of the ocean. It's that simple, isn't it? So we're not trying to talk about the lovely qualities of the ocean and the depth and the length and the greatness of the ocean. We're just questioning, are you a wave? If you're not, not a wave, immediately that's the ocean. Because even while you are a wave, that's the ocean. See? Because inherently, you're not a wave. You're just an expression of an ocean here. Just like here, let's say space expresses itself in appearances. So, this wall is not taking up any space. Literally. I'm not talking about the air or the, the, uh, the, the, the combined collective field. I'm talking about space space. Just voidness, let's say. So with this wall here, if we took this wall down, we wouldn't have to bring some space in back in to where the wall was. Because there is no wall, in a sense, to space. Now, there is a wall to the floor. There is a wall to every other appearance, yes? but not to the space that it's appearing in. So the wave, to another wave, you are a wave. Yeah? One wave sees another wave. And in that seeing a wave as a wave and another wave as another wave, that's the act of denial of the ocean. So the, act, the attention is on what it's like to be a wave, but you don't sense what it is to be an ocean. Yeah? So we're totally consumed with what it's like to be a specific wave called death, but we're not sensing what it's like, what it is to be the ocean. Yeah? What it's like is a little interpretative. What it is is different. So, <laughs> so, as soon as that is seen and you question the appearance of the wave and everything wave-like and just see, maybe with the idea I may not possibly be that, what occurs is the truth will ring what? True. There will be a sense of ocean while there's an appearance of a wave. They don't, they're not exclusive. Once you recognize the ocean, it doesn't mean there's no appearance of the wave. There's just no appearance of the wave, but there's an appearance of the wave. Yeah. That's what's going on here. But it's a, just an appearance of the ocean that we call a wave. It's still ocean. Yeah. When the appearance rises and has its little life moving towards the shore called death, and breaks on it, and then that quote-unquote wave is over, all it has been has been a movement in the ocean. No ocean died. No, the ocean didn't disappear. Just an appearance on it did. Yeah? So, in a sense, our minds are identified with appearances. Just like this, obviously, is an appearance, and my mind has become identified as this. And in this identification as this, I deny, not, you're not thinking it, but there's a denial of that, which all there is, is that. Yeah? Let's say space. Because in a sense, like we do that thing with the chair, if I pick this chair up, there would be no, you would not see any remnants of the chair. Oh, you, you could see its effects on other appearances, like on the floor and on the wall, but in effect, 
in the space, it, it was as if there was never a chair. Yeah? It didn't take weeks to practice as if there was never a chair. It's just immediately as if there was never a chair. Because maybe, just maybe, there never was a chair. <laughs> maybe in a sense, the chair is just an appearance in space. And maybe of space. Yeah? So, how can we not see ourselves as this, when we recognize, I'm not that? You won't see yourselves as this, you will see from this. It's an immediate whack. And then the wave continues, but then now there's a sense of the wetness of the ocean, the stability of the ocean, the everlastingness of the ocean, and then all the drama and all the reasons and beliefs about your right to worry and this and that of the mind gets dismissed. You see, it's a bogus little presentation. Even, it's so obvious that the person who you're worrying about what's going to happen in the future to isn't even the you that you will be then. Just like when you were a kid, the you that you were then is not the you you seem to be now. So all the worrying that you did was about a complete stranger. <laughs> and right now, all the concern you have about you, even a second from now, is for a complete stranger. <laughs> but wave will wave. Yes, waving and waving and waving and waving and waving. Seeing all the appearances and taking this to be real. Living on the surface of the ocean as if there's nothing other than that and nothing other than all that which is appearing. Yeah. And getting so concerned and consumed. What's going to happen to me, which is an appearance? Well, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to disappear. Oh, shit! Yes! <laughs> the narrator is going to come to an end. You may, it may be dragging its feet, going, hey, I can get to that, or I can do this. No, it won't. It's going to run out of time here. And it's going to disappear. <laughs> it's not looking forward to that event, if you've ever noticed. When, he's, when it's yapping and it gets really solemn, it starts worrying about death. Wow. <coughs> Jig is up. <laughs> I've been yapping and yapping and yapping for all these years, thinking I have plenty of time. It's coming to an end. What am I going to do? I don't want to end. I want it to keep going. I want to... All right, I'll have, I have a soul. Okay. I have a soul that's going to transmigrate. Woo! There'll be a Paul that will appear in another body, but remember it's a Paul. No, there won't be. If you've ever had an event where you died, I, I've overdosed a couple of times, and one of the distinct experiences when they brought me back was, it was over, and it was over... And that was that until it came back. It was like the movie booted back up and I was in it again. But in that lull, there was no Paul going, what's happened? <laughs> there was no, it was like, just clean, out. Nothing, as if nothing ever happened. As if nothing ever happened. And I'm telling you, that is to me the truth. Nothing ever, never did happen. Nothing did happen. All the yapping is going to shut down, and that's that. And whatever is so has no memory of it ever having that occur. 
So the ocean hasn't been following each wave on its surface. <laughs> it doesn't see it as anything distinct from itself. Yeah? It's just a movement, and the movement's started and it's going to do its thing and then, and it's not, it's not really going to be noted at all. <laughs> all there is is consciousness. All you are is that, that space, which everything appears in. Yeah? Everything is appearing in the space that you and I are. And there isn't two of us in that space. All we are is that space that everything is allowed to appear in. And everything that appears has a nature. It's going to disappear. Every wave is going to crest and break and bye-bye. Everything that arises must depart. And yet, all of that movement on a seeming surface, it's sort of like getting seeing light on water. Your mind likes to follow that light. It sees the blips and it gets into it and engaged in it. And But while it's getting engaged in it, it doesn't sense the wholeness of the water that all the light's playing on. Yeah? And the light comes and goes and it's always variable and based on conditions and circumstances. That's like a dance, a little dance on this unbelievably infinite, uh, in a very infinite dance hall, so to speak. One minor little dance. It doesn't even leave a footprint on the floor. What a great bit of news. So when you see yourself taking yourself too seriously, have a good laugh. (laughs) I mean, really. You've been huffing and puffing and trying to blow houses down. (laughs) Trying to give meaning to things. I'm so important, I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) You'll see. You'll really miss me when I'm gone. (laughs) You won't even miss you when you're gone. They may, yes, in the appearance world. That's right. But you won't. (laughs) You won't miss you when you're gone. (laughs) So... The idea of, in recovery, we always look at the root of the dilemma is this identif- obsession with self. I think, I believe it's identification as self. But the mind is obsessed with this appearance of being called. Yes, totally is. It's totally engaged. And it's forgotten its nature of being an ocean. All we're attempting to do is not trying to paint. When I'm not trying to go to it and go, here's this wonderful picture of the ocean. Here's another picture of the ocean. Look at what you are. Look at how wonderful it is. Look at how big it is. Look at how big it is. Because every time you're looking at it, you're looking at it as a wave. Yeah? I don't care about the beauty of the ocean. I just want to question the wave. If I'm not that, boom. You don't need a picture of the ocean. It hasn't worked, has it? Has that advertising worked to bring the mind out of the delusion? Oh, look at these wonderful concepts. Eternity, the void, emptiness, the, the bliss of all nirvana. It's not, you're going, oh, maybe I'd like to have some of that as a wave. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. But the wave is persistently established as you. Yes? That's the denial of the qualities of the ocean. You can't be sold. It's like every freaking vacuum cleaner salesman comes to your house and you, you listen to their tape, but you don't give a shit. You have an immunity to it because you're for sure a wave. Now you may want to know the ocean as a wave, 
So maybe you go study and sit with other people who are trying to study the ocean and as a wave, you know. I'm just feeling the, I'm feeling the ocean as a wave. Uh, I want to become the ocean as a wave. Uh, I've been practicing at this temple for 20 years. The temple of ocean is as a wave. You don't see the wave is the deterrent. Not that you don't can't get the ocean. You can't get the ocean. You are the ocean. That's the dilemma here. With the identification in place that I'm a wave, the only thing the ocean can be to you is an experience. The mind wants to be a wave, and maybe it wants to have an experience of the ocean, but if it push comes to shove, it's going to hold on to being the wave. It really is, literally. If it can't, that's why people practice for years, and when they realize, I've had so many fucking experiences of the ocean, you know, I'm going to just go out and Go to Nordstrom's and a party. Fuck that shit. I'm tired of it. Nothing radically changes. Really. You get bored. You get, you get burned out. Because the denial is in place. Because we never question it. We believe, we take ourselves to be this real solid wave, and then the best thing, how we can hold the ocean, is like a topic we may want to entertain or not. But the wave seems to continue. The wave isn't going to continue. It, it appeared because of certain conditions, and it's going to disappear when those conditions change. But we live as if we are the one solid, long-lasting thing here. The special somewhere is trying to take on the qualities of everywhere. You can't take on the qualities of everywhere as a special somewhere. You are the everywhere. For the special somewhere to take on the qualities of the everywhere, it extracts the everywhereness out of it. You, as an appearance, are not going to last. But as that space, there was no beginning or end. You can sense it when you close your eyes. What is it but space? Yeah. Do you believe you stop at the cheekbone? That this is, alright, this is me, for sure. I can't explain all of this, but then I see you. So my life, let's forget about all of this and just let's concentrate on other appearances. It's all this, oh, fuck that. It's most important what's appearing in it. Yeah? What's appearing in it is incredibly important. But what's appearing in it isn't really that incredibly important. <laughs> Not the space. And if you're that, <laughs> to give all of that seemingly up to be this, it's like those movies where uh, Nicolas Cage decides he wants to give up his eternal bliss of being an angel to make it with Meg Ryan probably get divorced two years later. What an insane <coughs> arrogance of appearances are mind-boggling. The arrogance of appearances are mind-boggling. The appearances will just think it's so much cooler and greater to be an appearance than all of that. <laughs> yeah, like a freaking angel would give up its angelness to come here to get some ass, you know. Come on. <laughs> give me a freaking break. <laughs> really? I mean, Jesus. Michael Bennett, Archangel Michael Bennett slaps some sense into him, man. Come on, bro. You're delusional. You want to go here? <laughs> you want to appear and then disappear? Maybe. Now, I don't have any trouble with the appearance, but I sure like to know I'm that ocean. Yeah. 
I don't, because when I took myself to be the wave, it was very, very... It's, there's... The wave can have exquisite suffering. Yeah? It can have... All... All those crazy ideas that you can entertain when you believe you're separate from the ocean. You can believe like you'll be unloved, that love has to come from outside. You'll believe that peace is something you can only do and have. You can't actually be peace. You have to, must have to do something to get peace. We have been determined, talk about consumerism. We've been taken, we become a consumer ever since we became identified as this head. Because we've been seeking constantly. We're trying to consume. We believe the more experiences I have, the more I'll have of life. Experiences come and go. They're an appearance to an appearance. So when the wave recognizes it the ocean, it doesn't stop it from being a wave. It just recognizes it never was a wave, and the wave can continue to be wave-like, but there's a sense of being the ocean. To me, that allows the wave to travel lighter. And actually enjoy waveness. It's sort of cool. I wouldn't want to be it, because I'm going to crash on the shore sooner or later. (laughs) It could be rough, but... uh, But how can we keep identifying with what we are when we're not? It's exhausting. You know how much work your mind has to do to be awake? It's got to be on it all fucking day because every day the wetness of the ocean is seeping through its little conceptual idea of being awake, isn't it? So many moments there's like oceanness occurring, not to you, but through you. Yeah. Oh, let's get that down. Let's make it a spiritual experience quickly or something that will happen infrequently. Or some, what did I do to get that to happen? Yeah. That's an amazing thing. I'm going to go over what I did that day to feel so good. You didn't do fucking anything. You heard nature like seep through. That's basically all it is. And if you allow your nature to sleep, seep through, they'll keep seeping through. And then, as a wave, slowly and surely, or very, very quickly, the wave will dream itself out of the dream of being a wave, and the oceanness will be more and more obvious as it's dreaming itself out of the dream of being a wave. Yeah? There'll be more wetness in it, so to speak. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I had a, there's an old Zen saying, this one got me. There's a teacher that used it, and I was at that meeting. And it's the old Zen saying is, I'm a, I'm a man standing by the river selling water. Eh, okay. I could see that maybe you didn't, you're afraid of swimming and you need a glass of water or something. I don't know what. But he says, it's even funnier than that. I'm a man standing in the water selling, selling water. <laughs> That's it. We're all totally drenched, but we're assuming we're dry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so wetness becomes a commodity that dryness tries to find, <laughs> or sell, or privatize, when it's our inherent na- nature to be wet. Yeah? You cannot not be wet. <laughs> you can cut out all the middle men and middle women. Like for me, I'm supposed to be obsolete. Yeah? I'm just inviting people. And one day, I'll, that will be over. My seat assignment will probably change or whatever, or people won't come, so there will be no more inviting. 
But there's no, you don't, like, do you follow the mailman home? <laughs> you know. <laughs> you don't have to move in with the mailman. You know? The invitation is just delivered. You are that, which you're seeking. Yeah? <laughs> really. I have a short term life, you know, short life on the shelf, hopefully. Doesn't hope you come back and see me, you know, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I need your support <laughs> for my lavish lifestyle. But to be truthful, you know, I'm meant to be obsolete. That's the job. Yeah. Any process is like manna from heaven for the selfie. It loves to have something to do. It loves to have something it has to do to have. It loves like belts signifying it's gotten to a certain level. Blue belts, black belts. It wants sitting closer to the teacher or farther away. There's all these movements of selfing constantly, constantly. I was met a lady last night who was a Zen lady, and I didn't want to get into it, but I had a desire a little bit to And she was telling me, and I said, yeah, but what do you do about that mental paradigm of the doing and having? And let's say you're doing and having that the mind thinks is noble. It is so right for the identification as a self or the doer. It's like a it's like a fertile field for the conditional mind. That something that you feel you have an archetypical idea in you that it's noble to, to know God or whatever, that's the biggest minefields of all. Because every time you'll be sensing every time that thing is being done and had, there'll be a there'll be a reflection of being a doer of it. The mind. And it's a very difficult one to see through. And it gets more sublime the more noble the path is. Yeah? I've found it. I've seen it. I've heard I've read this Buddhist magazine once, just out of the blue, a couple of years ago, and there was an article in there about a teacher who'd been teaching meditation for 30 years. And he had all these long-time students. And he was saying that a lot of his long-time students were talking to him, saying, you know what? Nothing radically has changed. Get off the bus, you know? Unless you like the bus. But, you know, see what I mean? There's an overriding mental uh, modality, and the more meaning that the thing you're doing gets, the more glue there is in that doing. Yeah? In other words, if you think it's really important what you do, you're doing and having, the glue of being the doer of that is pretty... It's a like a, one of those crazy glues, you know? They stick pretty good, yeah? Do you know what I mean? So the mind gives meaning to things. And so something, like for me, I saw a great nobility in doing all of that stuff. And all the while, I didn't realize that the mind was feasting. It was just making a new self out of the, into a spiritual self, yeah? It was just, oh, this is great. Let's see, hours of sitting, going to Thailand, going to India. And it was writing up a great new story. Because the old addict story was over. Yeah? That had run its course. It had milked that dead cow for years. Now, and the recovering thing wasn't so, you know, there's a little bit of milk. You know, that, but that becoming a spiritual giant. Woo! It was milking it like the fucking holy cow. And another, you know, another identity was setting up, and I had investment in it. The mind invested in it, and it had, it had a protection of it, and it was promoting it. Yes, a lot of unconsciously and consciously, 
all the while thinking it was getting out of the plight of humanity. It was more the bullshit than ever. Until I was pointed out to me, and I was willing to hear it this one time, that, you know, why do you want another meditation technique? You know, that's what you go through. You do Zen, Vipassana, and Kundalini, and other you try all these different ones, maybe mix a few together. <laughs> go to a retreat, a silent retreat, go to a silent talking retreat, silent talking retreat with Tantra, do this. You just, it's like rolling the same dice in the same game. Get seven, eleven, whatever, but it's the same mental game. It's farming an identity, like, unbelievably. All with the idea that you're getting out of the human, the mortal coil, whatever. But in fact, it's the binding agent. What you would call your escape is actually the prison. See, it's difficult to recognize a prison, which all it is is an escape. Every escape is the prison. Every escape your mind as a self is looking for is actually the act of being imprisoned. It's not a building you get sent to. There's no warden. You play all the roles. But you're wanting to escape us constantly and believing in the newest map you get or this or that and this and that is actually the activity of being imprisoned. Imprisoned to that mind, that selfing, because you're identified with what that selfing reflects, a self it's spiritual or not. That's why some of the greatest moments are the ones that don't mean much to you. That's when you're the freest. Like when I was in this ashram, the best time was five minutes before dinner when everyone sat down to eat and then we'd take a breath to sit there. And it had no great meaning. It wasn't a formal meditation. It wasn't sitting in the hall. It wasn't listening to satsang. It was just chilling out before we ate. They were the mo- they were incredible moments because my mind didn't, hadn't given it any meaning. It's just like something to do before breath thing. But a retreat, woo! Big meaning, big meaning, big meaning. And so the meaning is given and then it harvests that meaning and it makes up a self. That's why the ordinariness is the greatest door to me. Because it's the, it's the one you walk through constantly and you don't give much meaning to. We're not giving any meaning to all there is. That's all the time. We're giving tons of meaning to appearances that are going to come and go. But we don't give any meaning to what's always so. And that's the beautifulness of it. It's so ordinary. Like Dow would always say, the wood that looks a certain way will never be used for furniture. That's the life. Yeah? To go unnoticed, to be ordinary is the true key. Everything else will be used. When something looks shiny to the mind, it will be used to be a mirror for the self. But this message has no shine to it. You're getting nothing. You're getting nothing. You're not going to... People may not notice that you're really cool looking. (laughs) You know, they're still like, oh yes, I was the last one to leave the meditation hall without meditating here on a formal way. I feel like we're all meditated. All this stuff. So it disarms all the importance mind loves to have. And it seems like, what the fuck are we doing? Nothing. There it is. That's the greatest thing to receive, is nothing. Really. Everything else will be used by mind. But this, it doesn't know what to do with it. And that's why it has the most value. Nothing has the most value because the mind doesn't know what to do with it. And then something gets entertained. Yeah? And something can shift. 
It can come out of that ass of self and recognize availability and presence. picture of somebody from the past. We should have like our little pictures from the post offices. Wires. <laughs> <laughs> if you see this man, call this number. <laughs> he's, he's under suspicion. Being, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, here you go. <laughs> I have the picture that Debbie's uh, daughter painted, and I used it at a talk in Berkeley or something. It was good. He pasted it on a, a little drawing or something. <laughs> Sorry, like, all this stuff. It's nice to show, you know, respect for something. But then, you know, sometimes the mind loves it. There's so much meaning in it, you know. I'm involved in a lineage. Fucking these people didn't know some of the pictures that were up there. If you heard the real story of how they became a teacher, it's not the story. That's a myth. A lot of it's myth. Yeah? If, if they went and saw, let's say, that person, the person wouldn't even recognize them. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I've been carrying a picture of every time I give a talk of you. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I know it's beautiful, but watch the head. The head loves giving meaning to things. Yeah? And really, the reason why it gives meaning to things to be of the meaner, the giver. Yes? So in doing, it actually harvests the sense of being the doer. And that's where it can, because there is no doer. There is no doer. So it has to produce the sense from doing. So when there's doing going on through this apparatus, it's going to attempt to make a sense of being the doer of it. Yeah? And you see, its its most favorite fields are the one where it's given a lot of meaning to. That's where it really, really is harvesting a sense of being the one who's doing something. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Any questions? Today, no, good.